a Podcast One production. Created for expectant parents, new mums, new grandparents, or women thinking about becoming pregnant. This series guides you through the highs and lows of pregnancy, giving birth, and the complexities of parenting. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Midwife Kath. Hello, Brooke. I need to sleep. Oh, Kath. (laughs) Story of our lives, right? It's an important one and obviously that's what we're talking about today. We're going to go through the foundations of sleep, the issues with sleep, the expectations of how our children should be sleeping. And we're obsessed by sleep. We are, especially when we have babies. Everyone talks about sleep. The first thing people ask you mothers is the baby sleeping. And it's such a pressure. You know, it's such a pressure on new mums. Well, you obviously, of anybody, understands this. But, you know, I I see girlfriends, I mean, they're they're exhausted, their relationships are a bit strained, um, they're anxious, all those things that we talk about, and it's because this little button of joy isn't sleeping. And, Kath, you know, the issue is that you might be lucky enough, as we've discussed in earlier episodes, to have a baby that sleeps all the time and then they become little people and they don't sleep. A child that was a terribly disruptive little baby and didn't sleep and then as they get older, they do or they don't. And and you, you kind of, I've heard you say before, set yourself up for a lifetime of not being very social because your kids just won't. They're, they've got no routine. Well, you, you actually need to teach the baby how to go to sleep because... Um, If the baby has issues in the early years, um, then they don't know how to go to sleep. So as parents, and that's what early parenting's about, um, and that's my job to teach the parents how to teach the baby how to go to sleep. So it's not just a case, you know, from your perspective, it's not just a case of we'll wait till they get to one and a half and then we'll address that then. No, You've, you've, you've got to teach the baby you actually have to go through a process. It's just not all of a sudden, magically, at 12 months, the baby just turns one and then they sleep. You have to go through some sort of process. Now, we talked to Matty Boyd, um, obviously from the Western Bulldogs AFL team, about this, and, and he talked about his experience with his young family. What are the foundations of sleep, Kat? So how do you set yourself up for success? So I really believe in starting from the beginning. And that is day one. You've got to feed the baby, obviously, and you've got to feed the baby well. So the baby needs to put on weight every day, every week, every month, every year. So good weight gain is is really important for sleep. I say constantly, you can't overfeed a baby. Now, that's with breast milk or formula. You can't overfeed a baby with either. They just stop. They just... They just stop. I Mm. mean, babies just know, like Mm. we all do. We've all got a, you know, we've all got a little code and it says full, enough. So once they're full, they'll they'll be comfortable enough to... Yeah, and they sleep. They go to sleep. Mm. They, They just don't want to have any more. A lot of mothers are told that if they're giving their babies formula, that they can overfeed them and they can't. Mother nature's too sensible. So are babies, mm. you know. They're not, they're not going to overfeed. Um, and uh, so you've got to feed a baby. It has to be a good weight to sleep. It has to be old enough to sleep a good stretch of time. 
So babies aren't going to sleep through the night until they're old enough and they've got a good amount of weight on. So they have to be about six months or about eight kilos until they're sleeping, you know, a good five, six, seven hours. Mm. So, you know, it's not going to be on day one they're going to sleep that amount of time. But you start on day one. So you start on day one and you're looking at having three or four hours after a late bath at 10 o'clock. So I do a late bath, really deep, warm bath at 10 o'clock. And then I usually get the dads or partners to give um, the bath and then give a bottle after the bath. So the babies are really relaxed dress the babies, wrap the baby up and give a bottle after the bath. This allows the mum to go to sleep, have a break, because as we've said constantly through these podcasts, that the a nice, happy, healthy mum, <laughs> happy, healthy, what do we say? Healthy, healthy baby. Healthy, healthy a mom, healthy baby. Healthy mum. <laughs> a healthy mum and a healthy baby. Um, it's uh, for her to get some sleep is really important. So, if if the baby can have three to four hours sleep, then that's that's the best it can do. Expectation for the that's first the six best. months. Okay. So we're not looking five, six hours in the first couple of weeks, you know, too much. Yeah. That's when, you know, the lady down the street says, you know, how many hours is the baby sleeping? And the poor mum sort of like, oh, three? And they go, wow, is that all? That's enough. That's enough. That's, that's enough. That's, that's, that's the all they're capable of doing. Because remember, we've got, you know, uh, 20 hours and 21 hours in the day that the baby has to feed to mm. put on weight. Kath, you summarise that as um, feed, no, no, bottle, bath, bed. Yes. Yeah, bath, well, bottle, bed. So why do you start setting them up in the beginning to impact them when they're little toddler terrors? Because if... If we set them up correctly to start with, it becomes what we call a routine. That's a routine. It's every night. So we bath them every night. Just a little point here. A lot of mums are being taught not to bath the babies every night. They're saying, a lot of professionals are saying bath the babies twice a week or once every... How is that possible when you've got babies who are poor little Buggers. I know, I know. Well, not only is it well, a bit yuck, but it's it's actually a really nice thing to do and that's just to bath the baby. And look, the bath is about two to three minutes once you've put the baby in the bath. Mm. Plus there's nothing better than putting, than having a really nice warm bath for all of us, isn't yeah. it? Oh, I know, I know, I know. And for a little baby, it's beautiful. And once, once in the bath, they relax and they just... Ah, and then once you dress them and, and wrap them up, then they really get nice and drowsy and, and they've had a nice drink and that's when they sleep. So that sets them up for a lifetime of routine. Kath, Kath what's been your experience with, with people with the plethora of parents when when your little person gets into that, you know, 10 months, gets to one year, one and a half, we're getting to two, and they, they, do, they do challenge you and they don't want to go to bed at that time. You know, I've got some friends whose kids, obviously, they go to bed. They just do. They've got that routine happening and others that really find it very difficult. And so what do you do when they start to grow up and challenge you? Well, I, I say to all of my mums and dads and partners when they, when they say this to me, and I always ask the parents' age, I'll say, how old are you? And they usually say like 35 or 30, <laughs> and I go, well, the baby's 10 months old. You've got all that age on them. This is about parenting, and it's not about the baby parenting you. It's about you teaching your child what to do. So if your child was on the road, you'd go and 
do something about it. So mm-hmm. if your child is doing something like not sleeping, you've got to do something about it. It's really important that the baby sleeps well, really important. So you've got to give boundaries. The problem is, Brooke, is the mums and dads aren't being taught themselves what to do. So there's not a lot of education going around on what to do. So so Google's being used and mums and dads are talking to each other via Facebook. So there's not a lot of education or going to sleep schools and, and maybe going to sleep schools too young. So... Um, there's a lot of yeah, a lot of misinformation. Yeah, and books maybe written by people who don't have, you know, any medical background or, you know, anyone can call. Uh, you can be a sleep guru if you want to. You know, <laughs> no, I am. I am eight hours. <laughs> I a month. know you were a good sleeper. <laughs> Listen, <clears throat> if I came to you and said, Kath, um, I I didn't have the skills. I didn't have the information. I now have a, a one a one one and a half year old who is driving us insane because they will not go to bed. Can you talk me through maybe some strategies yeah. I could use? So what I would I would go through. A whole history. I would go through the birth um, and see, you know, how um, how many weeks you were when you had the baby, and um, uh, were you well during the pregnancy? What type of labour you had? Um, what the weight the baby was um, at birth? Um, what weight loss the baby had um, after birth? Uh, what the baby was weighing now? Are they all indicators for you to see? No, just that's what I like to know. Mm. You know, that's just something I like to know. Um, what sort of sleeping pattern the baby has had from from birth. So was the baby sleeping really well and has something changed this sleeping pattern? So has have you been travel have you travelled to, you know, New York all of a sudden, just in the last month? Or has the baby had a really bad gastro? Um, or has the baby got a dummy and it's been, you know, spitting it out all of all of a sudden? Has the baby getting the two-year-old molars, um, immunisation? What, what's happening or what's happened? Have you moved house? Has something changed in the baby's life in the last month or so? If it has, I'd like to pinpoint that that situation and explain to the mum and dad or partner why that has then changed the sleeping. Um, Sometimes the mum may be having a new baby and not a mistake, but probably I wouldn't encourage people to change the baby into a bed out of the cot at this stage. So if the mum is having a new baby, a lot of the times they say, oh, great, we're having a new baby. We've got to to free the cot. So we'll put this 18-month-old into a big bed far too early. You're better to have lots of cots and everyone in their cot Mm. than move the baby out of the bed, Mm. out of the cot into a bed. Because that change can sometimes... They can't cope. Leave them in the cot till they're about three, three and a half, because... They're fine. They're mm. not going to do anything other than be in a cot. Yeah. Um, but if you've got a, an 18-month-old in a bed, they're going to come and tap you on the shoulder at 2 o'clock in the yeah. morning. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to wander. No. I, I had one Go couple. Back to bed. I had one couple that uh, came to see me and they said, we heard this noise and we were sure we were being burgled. <laughs> <laughs> so we both went out. My wife had the um, had a, um, a tennis racket and I think, well, I can't remember what he had, but, you know, they both had tennis rackets maybe. And they got up and here's the 18-month-old with the television on holding the remote. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so in that situation, we'd work out what it is. Yeah. So to get the baby back to sleep, you, you need to do something. And um, if the baby has a dummy, I would probably um, remove the dummy and... Um, you know, when I'm trying to get the baby back to sleep because it's a really good time to get the baby, get the dummy out of the baby's um, mouth. And we're talking that little bit older, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, if the baby's feeding to sleep and having, and having lots of um, f- bottle feeds overnight or breastfeeds overnight and the mum's really tired, well, you need to change that because everyone needs to sleep, you know, like, a, yeah, it's just need, you need to stop that. If the baby's in, in bed with mum and dad and they want the, the baby out, that needs to change. And it's, I mean, I also ask the parents, what do you want? If they're happy with the baby in bed with them, and some people are, that's fine. Like, you know, I'm not, uh, no people judgment. contact me because they want change. Yep. I'm not going out looking for people and telling them what to do. Mm. It's only if people come to me and say, we want it change. We're, we're so tired. And that's such the right attitude because we are all different. We do want to raise our kids. Exactly. And, so, and I, yeah, absolutely, Kat. So, so you've got this little person and you establish what the, you know, look to see what the changes are. It's just then, as you say, it's about creating that routine. If you haven't done it in the beginning, it's about putting in those steps, yeah. which is, is it, is it still the same when they're like one and a half, two, which is? Yeah, it is. So what bottle. I do is I use um, what what is called controlled crying or passive settling. And it's a process that I've used for well over 30 years. And I used it myself with my son when he was about eight months old. And it's a process of um, going, um, the baby has to cry and it's over a, a period of time and the baby then goes to sleep. So it's, um, you put the baby down and the baby's fed um, I usually give the baby some Panadol before he goes to bed and then you put the baby down and then he cries for a couple of minutes and then you go in and just reassure the baby and settle him down and just say, it's okay. You're usually in there for about 30 seconds and then then you leave the room. Then you go back in um, after four minutes. You let the baby cry. Then you go in after four minutes and you just go in and say, it's okay, mummy's here, I'm coming back, it's, it's nine-nine's time, um, time to go to bed and it's, you know, it's time for you to go to sleep, mummy's coming back and then leave the room. So you let the baby cry two minutes, four minutes, six minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And it, I'm not saying it's easy, it's hard mm. and I found it hard. And the first time you do the process is the hardest it is the hardest. Because those little lungs and, and the it's noise hard. and their little hearts are breaking. Yeah. And but They're um, just in the bedroom, right? Yeah. I, I'm so insensitive. I don't mean it. I know it's hard. Yeah, it's, it is hard. But the thing is that it's, um, it's quick. Um, the baby uh, goes to sleep. The aim is for the baby to go to, to end up asleep. Mm. And look, I have done it countless amount of times. It's successful. It... Um, uh, the baby learns very quickly. Uh, the parents feel really good because they've actually done it themselves. Yeah. This is what sleep schools do. And I find that parents feel better because they've done it in their own house mm. rather than having to go to sleep school and maybe have sleeping tablets and have someone else do it for them. Mm. Um, I know I felt great when I did it with my son and I thought, oh, He's gone to sleep. I've got him to sleep after he'd had a bout of gastro and 
I had to get him back to sleep. So I'm I'm hearing from you that parents find that empowering when they know how to yep. do it correctly. Yeah. They find it empowering because it's under their own um, guidelines. It's their decision. And then once you do that successfully, is it how, how, important, how important is it to do it the same time every night? Oh, oh it's vital. And 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 the um, in my book, the first six weeks, I have it written down how to do it, mm. and it works. But you've got to do it every single night. No, you've got to do it the way I've done it, how I've written it out the the the, ver- the very first night. The second time, like when the baby wakes up that night, the second time, it's easier. The very first time you do it, the first night is the hardest. Mm. But then it gets easier and easier till um, maybe the second night you're doing it, you can put the baby down and he might cry for two minutes or four minutes and he'll just go to sleep. It's it's really, look, all the mums and dads and partners that have done it out there will all say it's magic. Then there are people out there that just say, will say, I'm absolutely cruel and how could I ever do it? Well, just on that, if you don't mind, I actually want to comment on that because I had an experience um, with a friend. They were using that controlled crying for a newborn no. and it drove, you know, it was very confronting. No, no, and no, that, no. that's not what we're no, talking no, no. about, is it? No, the baby has to be at l- over six months old and... Mm or over eight kilos. Mm. So you never do this with a little baby. You never... I always feed little babies up to six months old to sleep, feed them to sleep, rock them to sleep, hold them to sleep, whatever you do. You never let a baby cry it out, let them cry. You always keep them close and feed them. Um, If you want to do control crying, or I call it passive settling because it just sounds a little better, I think. (laughs) And um, if you want to do passive settling, it has to be after those, um, that age of six months and eight kilos. Other than that, um, I mean, you can do it right up until two or three. Um, And, um, but but never, never, never a little baby. Mm. And you never leave a baby alone and just close the door. I know people have done that, but it's just not done. And there's another one that's called cry it out, and that is you literally close the door and walk away and and babies just cry it out and then they're so exhausted and they go to sleep. Little newborns, you mean? uh, Yeah, and it's just that that is cruel. Now, I would never, ever do that. Not even I, my cold, cold heart would do that. You're not a cold heart. You've got (laughs) a lovely heart. (laughs) If you start crying, I'll shut the door. <laughs> um, look, I'm really glad that we that we talked about that because you know again it's about having the correct definition, having the knowledge about when to utilise these type of you know these do you call them skills or, or yeah. methods? And the thing with controlled crying, you never do it when a baby's sick. Aww. You never do it when you're away. You never do it if you're going away. You never do it if a baby's teething. You like you've got to do it when your home and the baby's well and you're both on the same page. Uh, And, you know, when parents are sleep deprived, you just cannot think Mm. and you've, you've, your tolerance is low. Your tolerance is low. You you fight with each other. You're cranky. You fight with the kids. You fight with mm. anyone yeah. and you yep. fight with yourself in the mirror, you know. And <laughs> um, and if you're breastfeeding, you've got another level of tiredness on top of you and you just feel foul, you know. Mm. You're just like walking around and it's just like, oh, my goodness. Once you start to sleep overnight um, and 
you you tend to you can feed more during the day. The baby is happier during the day, and you can put the baby down to bed at seven. Um, maybe give a dream feed at at ten, and then you know he might be up at four o'clock, have a drink, and then back down to bed at um, and then up again at seven for a sleep uh, for for the day. And Kath, you you. What you're talking about, what I'm hearing you talk about, is setting yourself and your family up for success in the long, long run. Term. And, this and is a long game, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's not about blaming the baby that they're a bad sleeper or they've got a, a sleeping problem. It's not the baby. Do you know what? It's us. Is it? It's, it's us. And it's, you know, we're in control. We're, we're the parents. It, this is parenting. Babies don't know what to do. They're, they're, they're all over the place. And if we're sending them mixed messages, like one minute you're rocking them, the next minute you're making them cry, the next minute you're rocking them, they've got no idea what to do. We've got to give them... Direction. Direction. We've got to give them some boundaries. So that's when... You need to employ someone who knows what they're talking about, not some 25-year-old who calls himself a baby whisperer who mm. doesn't know. And if you're going to employ someone, you need to know their background. You need to know what qualifications he or she has to to help you with your baby mm. so that they are qualified to and they do understand what what is going on what with happens. your baby. Yeah, yeah and we spoke with Maddie Boyd, and his his insights were really interesting too. He mm. said it was a long slog with he and his partner because they weren't very social. They they have dinner with people at five thirty in the afternoon right. and have kids. That's right. But they but their kids sleep and they do have some semblance of of of. Of a Routine, social life, yeah, but yeah. I suppose that's what what it is. You have to sacrifice, right? Yeah, that's family, yeah. and that, and that's up to to you as a couple. Mm. It's up to what you want to do. I spoke to someone last week, a couple last week. Now, they have a big Greek family mm. and their baby's not sleeping well. And I said, well, what do you want to do? And they go, you know what? When we go out, the baby comes out. I said, well, keep going because that's what they're going to do. That's what their their extended family does. They, they're not going to stay at home looking at their baby and wanting their baby to sleep, their whole life is going to be together with their extended family. Go for it. It's not going to work. You know, it's not going to work having um, their baby staying at home sleeping. It's, it's, do you know what I mean? Like you've got to look at the whole family and their extended family and what they want. Kath, I, I do have a question. So, you know, children varied like all of us, they're different. Um, Invariably, there are always, as you say, there are those families that the child is is engaged with all the family affairs and they're used to noise and they can sleep under a table, which is what we did as children. If everyone was out for dinner, you were tired. Are you ever awake? It's <laughs> <laughs> a fair point. Anyway, but we, you know... You know, back then, the, yeah. you know, you just used to climb under know, a table. Yeah. And they'd bring you a blanket and just sleep under the table yeah. while you'll have a party. Yeah. Um, so there are those children. And then there are the children that, you know, you, you're trying to have a dinner party with your friends and your child's in a room. But if somebody goes into the bathroom and they make a, a, a like, you know, they tiptoe past the door, the child wakes up and they're on tender hooks. So what do you do with a child like that with sleep? Well, I think to start with, you know, you need to have the music on. You don't tiptoe around babies. You know, you have you have them out in the middle of the, the lounge room with, the, with music on or the television on and, you know, you don't whisper around babies because, you know, and don't worry about 
don't put a sign up around the doorbell and yeah so it's uh, it, it's important um that life goes on and you mm. don't yeah Tip-toe, because you don't want to have a baby that's going to jump every time someone walks past. Or drops a glass. Oh. You know, at the party, like <laughs> Kathleen. No, it's, but it's difficult and it's hard for parents and it's hard when you've got that little person. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and that becomes an anxiety for parents. It's mm. like, oh, my God, don't wake the baby. Yes. Yeah, and it's, and it's like everyone's like, well, chill out. You know, like, chill out. Leave the baby. The baby will be fine because that's what your friends think. Just chill out. Yeah, and the, and and then you get angst with friends. You know, everyone's sort of like you. They don't, don't understand. understand. Yes, yeah. well, probably I certainly don't. I'm no. the one who does does break the glasses. Yeah. And who does trip out the door, and yeah. I do wake the child, and yeah. I feel sorry for everybody in that position. Yeah, well, that's it's just it's just anxiety through parent parenting. So again, can you use that controlled control? Yeah, yeah, method? absolutely. And when the when they're older, um, when children are older, what you can do um, the same thing as control crying um, is that you can, especially if they're three or four, and they're in bed, um, you can you know read them a book and then say, "Mummy's just going to the bathroom, and keep your eyes open, and I'll be back in a minute." So you go out and you go to the bathroom and and you just wait the two minutes. Then you come back in and you say, well done. Um, Now, you know, you're doing really well. Mummy's um, now just has to go and get a glass of water. Now, keep your eyes open. Just don't go to sleep. I want you to stay awake. Keep those (laughs) eyes nice and wide. No sleeping. And I'll come right back. And they're like... They're like this. <laughs> one eye shut. One eye open, one eye shut. Yeah. And so you go out and you stay out for four minutes. So you do the same process and you come back in four minutes. Nine times out of ten, these four-year-olds are out, out like a light. Done. Yeah. It's just instead of saying you've got to go to sleep and I'm going to lock that door yeah, if you do not yeah. go to sleep, which is what people do. Yeah. You don't do that to little babies oh, or little God, children. It's so hard not to. And you to. just say, you play games with them and you say, come on, you keep, keep your, your eyes, eyes open. open. Oh, I've got to tell you something. I love I've that. I've got to see Dad. I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to just have something. I'm going to whisper something from the fairies. I'm going to come back. I did that with Lockie. Sorry, Lock. And he's like, <laughs> you know, like I think we didn't even get past four minutes. <laughs> Your story. <laughs> well, it's good to have all these skills. You've got at to least. do something nice about it, rather than always, you know, like always going mad at children. I, I always try and come from the positive yeah. with children and have that positive talk, you yeah. know, rather than everyone being at kids. Like they don't know what to do, you know, just, just try and be positive and be kind to them. So uh, I suppose what you're saying is the foundations are bottle or, you know, dinner, bed, Oh no, bottle? God, bath. I can't even. Bottle, bath. No, bath first. Oh. <laughs> oh, isn't it bottle first? No, well, when they're, when they're newborn, it's bath, bottle, bed. Bath, bottle, bed. Yeah. And then it's. When they're older, it's still bath, bottle, bed. Now you've got me crazy. <laughs> Let's start just, again. Say, just say BBB. <laughs> Let me go back. I don't know. We all could do it. Bath, <laughs> bottle, bed. All right, so so clarifying then. Um, so it's, it's, it's bath, <laughs> bottle, cats. <laughs> it's bath. Bottle bed. That's right. Got it. Tick. Yeah, do done. it tonight. So have a bath. Have, have a, a bottle. bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> 
go to bed. Oh, I really do like your advice. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> um, all right, so bath, bottle, bed. Yeah. And then, you know, if, if you ha- obviously for newborns, that's we've talked about that and we reinforce that notion or you do. And then if you, you've got the little person, then you can you can try all the tips that you that yeah. you've that you've yeah that just you've another noted. few things that if if especially older children if they're waking up um, and and it's really really out of character for them waking up how old oh you know anything after six months or yeah, yeah okay. uh, and older just check that they're not getting unwell. So any uh, children that um, get a cold or getting a gastro and they're doing something out of character and that is waking up or crying or really clingy or s- they're just different. You sort of look at them and you think, what's wrong, what's with, wrong you? with you? What's wrong with you? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and if they're like that, they're usually, they're usually going to be sick in a couple of days or they've got a rash over their tummy, just a, just a, just a, a nothing rash. Um, Take their temperature or just give them some Panadol and if they settle down and um, their behaviour changes, you might find that in a couple of days they get a runny nose or they have a gastro or they have an ear infection or something like that. So it's it's, it's one of those things. So if they wake up overnight as as something out of the blue, Sometimes Panadol and a little drink does help. Before you start doing things like control crying, you've got to make sure that they are well. That they're not sick. The other thing about um, especially children who are going to um, childcare or kinder that um, and you've got, you know, three, two or three children is that you, um, that you worm the children um, uh, frequently. Brooke has just fallen <laughs> off. <laughs> What? Yes, I know. You you give the. I grew up on a farm. We I know animals, Kath. What, well, what, you, 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 you 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 worm. Yeah, you worm. You, I'm and, joking. And I've had worming problems. Well, a lot of people, uh, the younger generation, don't know and that don't don't know about worming um, children, and children can get really irritable with um, with gastrointestinal worms, and so. A lot of children do have them. It can cause um, sleeplessness at night. At night, it can cause irritability, and um, especially when they're at childcare. And so one kid sucks a block, and then they put it down. The other kid picks the block up and sucks that, and then the other kid picks it up, and and they just share germs. So that's why they all get, you know, hand, foot, and mouth, and gastro, and they all just share these things. So do you, do you get it like a syringe, or do you have to give them a tablet? How do you give children? They, um, you get some Combantrum, yeah, and it's like a little chocolate square yeah. and um, you just give one chocolate square or you go by the directions. Yeah. Now, what you do is that um, you pick a day that you're going to um, worm the family. Because mm. um, you all have to do it? Yeah. And mm. um, you pick a day that you're going to change all the sheets and you uh, make sure the kids' fingernails are cut mm. um, and put them in, put the kids in the bath and make sure they're all um, washed and make sure their bottoms are clean and washed. And then worm the children, worm your partner, um, worm the animal. Not as though they're connected, but it's it's good to put in the calendar. And then do it frequently, you know, every six to 12 months. And then just do it on a routine basis. That- so it's just a health thing that um, people are regularly wormed. I'll bring some in next week for you. Well, look, actually, I'd like to just quickly have a look at some of the myths that are out there, but I, I, I well, digress. It's, it, but it, 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 it's it used to be a really common 
thing to do in a family, that everyone was wormed. It's not that common anymore. But if you talk about it, as I do with families, yes. um, uh, most mums and dads say, oh, God, you know, yuck. But it's just they often say, oh, I remember mum did that with me. Yeah. But they have never thought of doing it with their children. So it is a good thing to do. Yes. Um, just go to the pharmacy and ask for um, the worming tablet. Um, stop that look on your face, Brooke. I'm just thinking, what about... <laughs> What about ringworms? What the hell are ringworms? Oh, yeah, they're completely different. They're okay. completely... We're talking about gastrointestinal worms. And how do you know... And it? sleep. So do you, and sleep. do you find out that your kids have worms? Well, or sometimes you, just... you can see it because their poo's moving, literally, because it's is got that worms. True? That's what I was going to ask you. I didn't yeah. want to actually ask you, but is that true? Yeah. Yeah, it's got... They've actually got worms in it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Okay, but do you know what? We're, we're, we're rare animals, we're humans, yeah. we get worms. Yeah. So. It does happen and it's just best oh. to, and it really does, it really does change some some toddlers, it really does change their sleeping behaviour oh. because they've got an itchy bottom, yeah. especially if they've got a nappy on. Yeah. Can you imagine trying to scratch your bottom and um, you've got a nappy on? That yeah. would really, that would really drive you crazy. Yeah, yeah. nuts. No wonder you don't sleep well. I could think of nothing worse. I could think of nothing worse, Kath. I so, know. look, so w- w- sleep. There are a multitude of reasons why our children aren't sleeping. There are there are great tools that you've given us in terms of just extra bits and pieces to try out to see whether we can get them into those patterns. And um, but that's not to take away from you know it's difficult and. I mean, what do we do if these tools aren't working, Kath? Can we reach out? I mean, can we reach out to people like you? Can we? What do yeah. you do? Yeah, and look, it's easy for me to, you know, work it out. That's that's my job. You know, it's it's really great to be able to reach out and communicate with mums and dads and the, or partners um, via you know Skype or phone or or face to face. I do home visits too, and and just work it out because it's unnecessary and to be that tired. You don't need to, and you know, just beware. And it's not as though you know. I mean, reach out to me for sure, but if you don't have me. Just be careful who you do have. Just make sure that you um, you have someone that you've checked the background and that it's just not someone young that has just read a book. You, you, know. you sound like you're talking about me. <laughs> so to, if to, her name, if she goes, hi, I'm Nurse Brooke, <laughs> just run. So there's, I mean, no, so there is the comparison, isn't it? And that's with somebody who, who has, who has the experience yeah. and who, you know, has that stuff and not with somebody like Brooke who might have just read a book that's and right. likes to close the door that, and all she's done with is a bottle of wine. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, midwife, well, Kath, thank you for thank all you. your tips Oh, that was great. Yeah. That was good. Good Happy luck. Happy sleeping, everyone. Woohoo! Snore, snore. This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Birth, Baby and Beyond is recorded in the studios of Podcast One Melbourne, Australia. Executive producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And music by Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app. A Podcast One production.